count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of... Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. You have found Daniel Donato's Lost Highway. That lost highway. Yes. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Oh, I was on a flight home from Europe 12 hours ago, and here we are. Life is fast. Uh, I was over there for nine days with my two bandmates, Will Johnson and Nick Fry, and... Um, Wow, I, I learned something every day, and I was reflecting on this nine-hour flight, nine-hour, 47-minute flight that we had home yesterday on American Airlines, and I just wanted to share some of the thoughts that I had on, on this whole deal, but basically, we were in Germany for four shows, six days total, and then the Netherlands for two days, with a day off in Amsterdam, <laughs> and uh, I, I just, I, I realized, it's like, okay, so you're put into a country, you don't know the formalities, you don't know handshakes, you don't, you don't know the slang, you don't know even the right coins to buy an espresso with. You're just kind of lost, man, and uh, you're jet lagged, and, and, and you're there to do a job, and you're not, you really don't have any money, you're kind of losing money. And it's like, okay, here are some of the things that'll help guide you through this experience in the best, most efficient human way possible. You ready? I, and here's what I think it is. I think it's gratitude. I think it's positivity. And I think it's persistence of vision, which requires force and power, internally and externally. Okay? These are the things that, when flying home yesterday, really allowed me to realize that I did a fantastic job at this <laughs> and it was a big project and it was a, there was a lot of times where I was feeling guilty for not having sold more tickets or have felt as prepared as I as I should have musically but I realized yesterday in reflection that all that was kind of nonsense and that I should be proud of myself um, gratitude gratitude for the show is the fact that people find what you put out in the world to be useful to them that they're gonna take time out of their day to come and see you that's ridiculous if it's not 5,000 people it's only 50 God. The, the, the difference isn't, isn't huge there, um, unless we're talking about a monetary stance. Um, perspective, positivity, like, okay, so so you're having a hard time parallel parking this this uh, Mercedes Sprinter van that you can't really afford to rent because you have to go to, because you get an opportunity to go to do a radio interview on Star FM 89.7 in Berlin, Germany, in the middle of the rain, and you, and you have to roll your rented deluxe reverb almost a mile there on cobblestone roads to get it to the radio station it's like okay well 10 years ago i would have dreamed about doing these things so that's a big thing perspective positivity reminding yourself and then here we go persistence of vision this was a big one for me because i didn't have enough money to bring it bring a bass player over to europe on this run so nick um picked up bass utilities by plugging his guitar rig into a bass amp and just turning it the fuck up and we got a frequency pedal that, an EQ pedal that made it feel like a bass, and it affected the subconscious like a bass, like the right chakras were hit. But, uh, like there, like, okay, so you don't have enough money to bring a bass player over. Well, your vision still needs to stay strong and be up and be upholded right, and it need, all the buttons need to be there, and everything needs to be flowing, and it needs to, uh, needs to feel right. 
and um, taking the time to do that and rehearse and, and rearrange the songs for that and then um, thinking of the right things to say to convey to a German audience and an audience from Holland. It's a, it's a completely different thing than talking to uh, a room that is full in Topeka, Kansas. Um, persistence of vision, taking the time uh, to craft out your vision and, and, and think about what you really do want to say. Um, and, then, and then having the power, force, both those things internally and externally uh, to stand up and just make it happen. Just gotta make it happen. My whole purpose, too, for that is... Um, it's very easy to dream something up, say you want it to happen, and then a year or so, 18 months later, it's in your calendar all of a sudden. Well, that's weird. And then it all of a sudden turns into something that you have to do. And the things that you have to do, a lot of the times, there's a, there's a, there's a sour taste to them. And if there's anything I can do to shed light um, to anyone who's listening, is if, if, you, if you, have, you have these tools at your disposal, and it's like that will stop things that you dreamed of doing and you get the opportunity to do, to turn into things that you have to do. Um, that's a big deal. Just realizing that you have control over all the things you're doing, over all the activities of your time. You have control, you have control. And um, keeping that ownership and keeping that control really keeps you at power. And when you're at power, you can stay above 50% and you can stay charged and you can stay positive. And um, whether it's actual control of your life, well, I don't know. <laughs> that can't be a real thing in, to in total. But over your time, yeah, you have control. Um, so that's all. Seems to work for a lot of people. It definitely worked for me over these past nine days. And you can go on my Instagram and see um, a lot of the footage from the shows. Uh, what what rig I was using, what pedals, what guitar, etc. And then there's over like 200 plus stories of um, like one morning a raven flew into my room at like 6.30 a.m. Um, that was ridiculous. Um, sites from Amsterdam, sites from Berlin, Cologne, Hamburg, Utrecht, Alkmaar, all kinds of crazy stuff that happened in the van along the way there and just the actual nitty gritty of the, of the life experience that it was. So go check that out too if you're interested. Today's guest, Mr. Clay Cook of the Zach Brown Band. What insane. He's been in this band for 11 years. He plays 73 instruments in that band and sings high harmony. One thing he has not been doing for a long time, which he loves doing, is being a fantastic father because his children are very young. And uh, so we talk about that a lot. That, that seems to affect everything that he's, that he's doing in his life right now in an extremely positive way that I think a lot of people need to hear. Um, he's writing music differently, he's looking at touring differently, and living his life in a completely different way. And I was just absolutely floored by that insight that he was able to share. We also talk about how he got his start growing up in Georgia, in a very um, musical culture and way of life. Uh, meeting John Mayer at Berkeley and being roommates together, and the serendipity of that whole thing, and how the success of Mayer's solo career... Um, led to the splitting of them, but then also the eventual road that led to where he's at today, in which he seems really, truly fulfilled, happy, and optimistic about the future. Uh, they just dropped a new album. Uh, Zach Brown banded. Zach Brown also solo dropped an album, but Clay has a song off this new album as well, and we talk about that and kind of how his role in music is evolving and growing. 
Um, this one is extremely insightful. A, a lot of the points that we talk about are, are very macro, they're very long-term based, which a lot of people need to hear and feel, I think, especially myself. And looking at luck, what is luck? And what's the hard work that goes into luck? And how do you follow luck? And when do you when do you learn to quit a gig that pays well and then you just go to invest in your future? Like, what's the whole deal with that? And the lifestyle of touring well and being able to do it into your 40s. Um, for everyone who's out there on the road in the Ford vans like I am, um, I'm serious. If you want to do this, when, and when you get older, you got to stay healthy. you got to stay sharp. you got to stay positive. And Clay has done that. Um, the only uh, caveat I want to mention before this, before this interview starts is um, this conversation starts, is that it was done on Skype. Uh, he was at a beautiful lake house um, that sounded very exotic and, and beautiful, but it was indeed over Skype. So the audio is going to be a little bit different than the intimacy of the studio mics that you're used to. Uh, aside from that, Fantastic, fantastic conversation. And with no more await, everyone, Mr. Clay Cook. I feel like sometime in this past year I kind of entered this plane of where it was like, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna be doing what I'm doing for like the next like two decades. Which is like trying to build shows and like get better material and like get better as myself, if that makes any sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I think, um, so I think what you're trying to say is that, like, your focus and everything is going to be at this plateau that you're reaching right now, and that could build a foundation for the next two decades for you, and I feel like I get there a lot, and most recently, I felt like I was on the plateau for the last three or four years, and now I'm writing again, which I haven't done in five years, maybe. What? What's that yeah. process like? What was that? What's that process like for you? Uh, it's really funny. Lately, it's it's completely different because it's, I take off time between writing, I guess. So now, I use the Notes app in my iPhone. Love that. And I and I get on an airplane, and instead of like watching movies or whatever, yeah, I crack open the Notes and I I have three songs running at the same time. Usually, you'll do three so songs. I start with the poetry first, and then I sit down and kind of set the poetry to music. Whoa, okay. And that's lately, that's this last 10 years, but I think for a long time it was like I sat down and intended on writing a song. Yeah. And now it's like I'm writing the poetry first because I know, I mean, it's not being cocky, it's just like yeah. I feel better about setting poetry to, to music because I've, I've, I'm, I've got, I feel like I've got the music thing down. Yeah, totally. 100%. And, and, and then when I have the poetry together to where I'm like, I kind of feel you have a rhythm scheme for, for how the lyrics go. And once you figure out how you want that to be, it's easy to, to lay out the poetry. And then once you have the poetry done, you sit down and you just set it to music, you know? Whoa. Are you, do, you, do you co-write still or are you doing... Uh... Yeah, yeah. I've got one on this new Zach Brown Band record that's coming out... Uh, later this year and that was me zach and this guy named luke laird who's oh, a yeah. nashville writer he's fantastic that guy's a, 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 um, um, a machine yeah yeah absolutely that's cool well, honestly it all started with that song like i got inspired again about like, like hey i can actually do this and i enjoy doing it like i took years off from writing i became just a musician and then also i became a dad like i'm a 
I'm a new dad, basically. I've got like a two and a half year old, and that's now crazy. we also have a ten month old. So, I like th- that's another set of skills that I've felt like I've been refining the last two or three years. Yeah. And cooking, like I, I didn't know how to cook until I married my wife, and she she was she's a nurse, so she would come home exhausted, and there's only so many weeks you can go. All right, I'll get some takeout for us. All right, I'll get some takeout for us. And then eventually it's like, all right, I'm going to learn how to make chicken. Well, you grew up in Georgia, though. You should have known how to make chicken. I got super excited about cooking, and now I can cook. Like, I can cook almost anything that I like to eat. So I couldn't cook at all. Like, I I was cereal toast and, you know, sandwiches (laughs) and stuff. But now I can cook. Are you a healthy eater? Do you do the vegan thing? Do you do, like, a keto diet? Do you do anything about that? Clean. Clean. Clean eating. So yeah. very little cooking with very little fats. Yeah. We're, we're doing chicken primarily, and there's – I eat fish uh, when I'm on the road. My wife can't stand the smell. So I love uh, some fish. Yeah, all but it's it, – fish is, fish is good, man. Yeah, Sorry. man. But I, I don't get to make it at home. I don't get to make it at home. So do you do you find a difference in, in how uh, – and how you feel when you're on the road as opposed to when you're at home, especially now that you have kids? Are you less inspired or do you have – are you more inspired or do you even play music when you're at home? I do not play music when I'm home. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's a lot of trying to be quiet, you know? Like kids are sleeping kind of constantly because the schedule is wrong. Uh, I, do get to play, I do get to play a little bit of guitar. Uh, the baby loves the guitar. Absolutely loves it. Uh, the older kid, it's like, yeah, it's cool. That's, I think everybody does. He thinks that everybody does that. And then when I say daddy has to go to work, he went to go to us at the beginning of the tour. And he'd never seen me do what I do. And he sat down on the stage and was like, oh, okay, so this is what people do when they go to work. And, like, he still hasn't made the connection that, like, not everybody gets to play for X out a thousand people and there's not lights and loud music and content on the screens and right. he thinks that when, when somebody says they have to go to work that's what they do so you, that's a neat thing to figure out that daddy does something pretty interesting I guess Wow, man what did your dad but, do but when it comes to ideas and stuff I'm constantly banking oh, okay ideas while I'm home and the second I get on that plane or the second I'm on a bus or whatever I open up I, and I kind of work quietly, like, you know, and I have a bank of things that I thought up while I was home, especially this time of year. I'm home three or four days and I'm gone three or four days, you know. So. Whoa, how great is that? That's insane. And it's great to be a dad and have that schedule and still be lucky enough to be able to do this at this level. Was that something you planned on? Yeah, so Zach has five kids. So he, he's, and his oldest, I think, is 12. And they, wow. so they built this whole thing around being a family. And everyone in the band has kids. Um, Koi and I had kids at the same time. Wow. He's got a two-and-a-half-year-old and a year-old. And so we're in the same pot all together. Like, we, we do this. We do this. We have, we're on the same schedule. It's Amazing. crazy. And then we come on the road, and we sleep, sleep, sleep. <laughs> I don't know. There's not a lot of partying going on when you're 40-something years old, and 
you know, we've done all our partying, you know, so. Oh, I see, I see, I get that. Man, I, I personally, when, when I travel, I, I, I have limited partying. I have limited, right. I just try to stick to business uh, kind of a thing. My friend, yeah. um, Jason Stoltzfus, do you know Jason? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was talking to Jason, we're dear, dear friends, and he was so excited that I, that I was having the opportunity to talk to you, and I wanted to talk about, like, the lifestyle, the, the thing that, the whole deal with this podcast, I really want to talk about certain things that are, that are uh, proprietary to the lifestyle music, but then there's so many things that, while having a career in music, make you a better person that other people can, can take away from and be inspired yeah, yeah. by. And so, like, the lifestyle on the road is something I wanted to talk about, because it's like, you went through, you went to college, which is college lifestyle. And then you move back to Georgia, which is, I'm assuming, a different lifestyle. And then where you're at now, with all that shit in between, but, but where you're at now, the lifestyle that you're at now, how, what's the difference now with, with how it's been prior? Or do you like where you're at now the most? Or are there certain things that you miss about the grind and like being in the van, and etc.? You know, I, I think, it kind of, I mean, I had probably 15 years of the grind. And when did I'm that very start? Lucky now, and it makes me be appreciative of yeah. what we're doing now. And like, dude, I'm not gonna lie, we get to fly first class. Yeah. We stay. I get my own hotel room whenever we have hotel rooms. I'm not having to share anymore. Yeah. And you know, like, but but I feel like the grind and existing in it and surviving it and going through the gauntlet allowed me to be a better bandmate now better person on the road like i have i can't get over how many you know times i hear stories or i'd seen it you know when i was in my 20s some of the other bands that were touring around mm. they would have fights and yeah. people would get so drunk that they can't exist together you know it, if this band came together when we were in our early 20s i don't think it would have happened i think it would have exploded or imploded or whatever you want to call it within five years you know, just just like most bands, but but we all kind of got together at the beginning of our thirties when we'd all been through it and seen it, and we were the ones who survived the gauntlet. Mm. Each each individual guy from the band, and then now we've come together and man, the bond on this through these guys. I mean, it, some of it has to do with some of them have been together almost fifteen years. That's insane. I've I've been here almost eleven. That's insane. And yeah, and and they're like brothers like they they there are times that i call them and tell talk to them about something before i talk to my family and it's it's that i know it's it's very we're very lucky to have that but at the same time we had to go through whatever we had to go through individually to get to where we are of course and a lot of it's it's like life skills like i that would be the first thing that i would say to somebody starting out like you know obviously earlier than you who's wanting to be in a band and go on the road and stuff like that. Yeah. Just have your life skills together, you know, be on time. If you say you're going to do something, do it. You know, I mean, it's, it's silly. It's stuff that, you know, professionals should have down, but like we, we don't, a lot of times there, there's people don't think of this as a professional business. Isn't that crazy? You know? Yeah. It's insane. It's absolutely yeah. so true. Well, the, well, the, the issue now is that you're not going to last very long because the business is a lot smaller. 
for the people who make it, you know, they, they, there's, there's less room. How, like less room to, to fuck around. Yeah. I think so too. Less room for artists on the radio and our artists to, to make it. And like, there's, I feel like there's always been Rolling Stones and there's always been these big giant stadium bands and stuff like that. But man, to carve out uh, a career at the lowest level is so much harder than it was before. And social media is allowing the smart ones to start there and move up a lot quicker. Yeah. And, but you have to be smart and you got to have your life skills together. You know? it's, Whoa. It's crazy. And you got to get lucky. Yeah. Luck's a big thing. You do have to get lucky, but the, the, there's, I forgot what, there's, what's the saying? Um, there's chance favors the bowl, but then there's also, uh, well, there's something like luck benefits the preparers. I don't know. I'm having a terrible time remembering what it is. I think that that, that happens as you, as you uh, start to uh, put children out of your body. Memory starts to go. That only makes sense. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, last night I got the most sleep I've had in a week, and it was six hours. So, um, But it all gets better. All the guys have been through it. Some of them have teenagers. Some of them kids are in the oldest kids in second or third grade. I, I rely on those guys. They, they just went through it, you know, the guys around me. I, I'm, I'm 41 and I've got a less than a year old, but I also have a 29 year old wife who can run around and, and uh, expend the energy that I do not have anymore. I feel like 40s, like, I, I come from a really small town. Do you come from a small town in Georgia? Uh, suburb of Atlanta. So okay. It's kind of in the middle, but what, what, what part of town, what part of the world are you from? I'm from Nashville, but I'm from an hour outside of Nashville. So it's a, a town called Spring Hill. And when I was growing up, it was small. Like there's two schools, one one grocery store, one huge and then, church. And the car factory, yeah. And the car factory, exactly, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Saturn. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone in my uh, class of high school, like most of them, most of them are married now, which is, which is insane. I'm 24. And like to me that that's absolutely um it's kinda silly, I think, you know. But it's like well, you're a different style of business than they probably are, you know. That's true too, life wise. I always right. thought forty would be the perfect time to like start doing the, the, the father role in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's working out well for you. You're digging that. You're loving it. Yeah, I, and I think I have more patience than a twenty four year old totally. would, would have with kids. Yeah. Um, but it's I, there's a reason that we are biologically able to have kids, you know, in our late teens. It's because we have the extra energy and ability to, to keep up. And uh, I honestly, the whole clean eating thing has been help help me. This is new. This is like since April, April first. Wow. And I've dropped like thirty something pounds, but it's not about that. It's like all of a sudden I do have more energy, and all of a sudden I feel I just feel better. You know, when you hear old men get out of chairs and they make a noise and stuff like that, that's just not, that doesn't happen. Like every, it was, I had a slow percentage, like it was a 15% chance I would make a noise getting out of a chair. Uh-huh. But, but now that that's a lot lower and I, I don't know. Uh, I'm just trying to 
to get my health together so I can be around for these kids. Whoa, that's heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Is there a different urgency on things then? Is there like um, almost everything is is bigger because it's it's not just your life that matters anymore. Right. No, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, you're right. You're you're absolutely right. It's, I, I find myself making decisions almost never for me now. And it's, but it's always the right decision for everything. Like it ends up being the right decision for me. You know? Mm. Whoa. Yeah, totally. Whoa, man. That's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Wow. So you're touring now. Did you, and you guys, uh, you said you got a new song on the record that's coming out. Yeah. 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 That is like, um, I feel like if you said you've been in the band for 11 years, if, right. if you had been able to talk to Clay Cook, uh, 11 years ago, is this where you thought you would have seen yourself? Is this being in Zach Brown well, band? Honestly, 11 years ago, you know, I kind of took a pay cut to be in this band. There were still one bus, and I, I went, I, it was a lateral move for me, but I, I came from Marshall Tucker Band, which mm-hmm. was an established legacy act. But with this, the reason that I moved over was because I wanted to be a part of something from the beginning. That's kind of been your ethos too, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so at the time, the decision was like, it was relatively risky. But, I mean, I never would have thought it would have been this. Like, I, I, I what you, you could have sold me on was like, all right, you guys are going to have two big records. And then it's going to start falling off. Because, I, I mean, you can point to most acts in Nashville that have one big record and then they have a, a single and a follow-up and then it just kind of starts falling apart you know for whatever reason and we're just i think it's just a perfect storm of good business and still oh. being creative oh. and guys love each other because we there are no issues personality wise in the band i mean you'd be surprised how important that is long term like, mm-hmm. I mean, you could almost put up with anything for two years, you know? Yeah, totally. But anytime after that, I mean, when, when guys start making money and thinking they don't need something, you know, they, you know, start being chippy back to everybody else, you know, whatever. But if you would have told me two albums, you guys are going to make two records and you're going to be lucky enough to have a couple number ones, I'd have been like, yeah, that, that's not too far-fetched. But if you would have told me that last year you would have, that we would have played eight stadiums, baseball stadiums. I, I, I don't know if I would have believed you, but I would have been like, sign me up, dude. Whoa. That's so crazy. That's literally insane. Yeah. That's absolutely wild. I I wasn't looking for this. I I didn't know it was going to happen like this, but I, I know how lucky it is. Whoa. What do you think of serendipity? Because, like, I really love your story. I, I, I've been such a fan of the band for years. Like, since I got my start playing on the street, busking for tips, and people would always request Zach Brown band songs. Right. And so, I, and me being the, the, the mind that I am, I'm all about, like, well, it's Zach Brown band, so who's in the band, you know? And then you, you were the first character to really, like, like the spark of inspiration because... Me being born in the time that I was, um, like, you know, 
driving to school in the morning, my mom playing like Dave Matthews and like Room for Squares, Nora Jones. Um, learning about that part of your history as well, I, I was like very fascinated by how your story started there and how it ends up here. I'm going to take off these headphones. And um, <laughs> I feel like Howard's turns assistant or something in those headphones. <laughs> That's crazy. Like it's almost like your life wound up at this crazy scale. You're playing eight stadiums a year. You have a family. Um, you're staying on this incredible lake house. You're inspired. And you're writing songs in first class airplanes. And it's like, like, does any of it make sense? Does it all make sense looking back on the journey of it all? Yeah, so like I said, the, the personality gets your, gets your shit straight with the uh, life skills. I felt like I wasn't necessarily ready in my 20s. Um, Why is that? journey that I took, yeah. career-wise, I mean, in hindsight, it does make a lot of sense. Uh, I did pick up multiple instruments all along the way. And so I originally was just a guitarist. I went to Berkeley, and I wanted to be the guitar player in the Tonight Show band. L.A., New York, whatever it was going to be. That was what I was going to do. I said, this is what I'm setting out to do. I'm 18 years old. I showed up, and my my first guitar teacher asked me what I wanted to do, and I, that was my answer. Like That was like, no, this is going to happen. I'm going to do this. And the following summer, I found James Taylor. That's where I discovered his music. My parents had always played it, but I found what he was doing in songwriting. And that was when I, and I swear to God, three months later, John Mayer walked through the door, and he became a part of my life. And he had never really written a song. And I kind of, never really written a song. And what? We sat there on, and we taught each other how to write songs. What was that process like? Uh, well, in the, in the very early business, it was like we were just toss musical ideas around. And he was just so much better lyrics. Uh, he's just, his mom's a teacher and he's always, he's, some people just have a better sense of what exactly they want to say in witty ways. And he was really funny and witty. He had always had a real quick way to come up with some just amazing lyrics. Wow. And, you know, I we started writing songs together. And wow. That was my trajectory for songwriting. Did you guys have uh, battling egos at all? Was there like a... Because you guys, it oh, sounded yeah. like you were so, driven. So eventually, yeah. it, it, you know, you, you get to a point where the worst thing we could have done was we worked together and we lived together and he didn't have a car. And so we were together 24 hours a day. That's insane, and, dude. And for young kids, it doesn't, you know, I, I was 20 years old when we broke up. Yeah. It was, it was quick. It was young. And most people think, you know, oh, you guys worked together early in your career. It was, like, it was so early that, you know, most people were still in college, you know? It's yeah. Like, and, and so I, I always say that if, if Zach Brown Band would have happened during the timing of, of John Mayer, if they would have switched places, who knows? I'm, we, John and I might still be playing together, and Zach Brown Band would have only lasted six months, you know? Wow. That's insane. But, but shortly after that, I started picking up piano. Like, I, I'd never played piano before. And then I ended up playing a Marshall Tucker Band, and they were like, hey, have you ever tried to play pedal steel and I was like no I've never tried but I'm gonna buy one 
and so I did, and for the first year, it was so out of tune. You could, it, it was it was so bad, but that was a big deal for me. And then I don't know, ten years later, I started playing with Sean Mullins and Damn. Chris. Th- he played on his record, and he was like, "Do you know how to play mandolin?" I was like, "No, but I'm gonna buy one." Now that you mention it, and so I learned how to. I mean, I'm not Chris Thiele by any yeah. stretch of imagination, but I can play mandolin now. Like I can say that I'm a mandolin player, and so over the years, just that was my path. And then one day, Zach called, me and I jumped into that band and yeah. utilized everything that I picked up along the way: songwriting, guitar, mm-hmm. piano, mandolin, pedal steel. It all kind of all came together for if you want to talk about serendipity i can't think of a better story than that right there literally man sounds like an incredibly well-written film (laughs) well one you wouldn't you couldn't believe it that's the whole thing you know it would be hard to believe that film the one thing i really love um is i love talking to guys who come out on the good side of music um because a lot of the time they're always young driven people like in their 20s and what's also hilarious is they uh they maintain this drive and they get their shit together throughout their 20s and 30s and it it ends up working out um the one thing i always notice is people always think that they know what they want to do when they start college like when they're 18 19 20 21 22 when did you realize like because you were writing original music you and john moved down to atlanta and you pursue your own endeavor so like clearly your drive even then had changed to like not be on the on the late show and then you wanted to go be in in a duo act what was the thing that when did you realize like maybe i don't know what i'm gonna do but i'm just gonna work and be my best i probably around that time because uh all of a sudden instead of just a guitar player on television okay it's on television but like it's just a guitar player on television I could have been in a band now or a musical act or whatever. And that all of a sudden was attainable where it didn't feel attainable before. What made it feel attainable? I I felt like I was going to be a professional musician before that. And then all of a sudden it felt like, well, you could, you could be like your uncle, you know, like, like I said, my uncle's in a Marshall Tucker band. And I always felt like the way his story came together as another one in the million type of thing. And there's not so much room for successful acts. There's just not. Mm. And, and so I just changed my trajectory and I felt like, well, I'll do this until I can't do it until, until I have to go do something else. And that's kind of where I always wrote songs on the side. And then all of a sudden, I was touring with Marshall Tucker Band, and then I'm again, I'm riding the line between professional musician and an act, stuff like that. But the great part, the luckiest thing that ever happened to me was that John made it. John Mayer made it. And Why is that? All of a sudden, I had some mailbox money, and oh. I I spent a lot of that on gear, and um, I had a studio for a long time, for ten years yeah. in Atlanta, and then it kind of got absorbed in Nashville at, the, at Southern Ground Nashville, which is our studio there. Yeah. So I haven't had a lot of time the last 10 years since I've been, well, five years since I've really been on the road to be an engineer and a producer anymore. I mean, I 
that for a long time, that was kind of what was keeping me together creatively because Zach Hardy had enough creative stuff going on to where he, he, he was writing all the songs and coming up with all the stuff and I get to just be his guitar player in the band. But that leaves a lot of creative juice still in me and so I was producing and engineering and then I just stopped altogether yeah. producing engineering and then I, like I said, I, like two months ago I started writing again. It's yeah. so weird. It, it, you're catching me at a weird spot in my creative awesome. uh, uh, sine wave, you know, whatever. I love that. I feel like uh, I feel like we're kind of always in a weird spot, though. Only if you look down. Like sometimes you don't even look, have a chance to look down, and you realize, oh my god, I'm being creative right now, or oh my god, I haven't written in a year, or oh my god, I've been playing the same set for a year and a half, and I just haven't noticed it because we we're killing it, we're killing it, we're killing it. But at the same time, God, we should really do something different. You know, or, you know, I, I don't know. You just, Sometimes you just don't have a chance to look down. I mean, I didn't really look down until we won two Grammys already. Like, I didn't realize how awesome of a ride this was. I just thought it was just like the ride and we're just doing it, we're doing it, we're doing it. And then to look back and reflect on what had happened over the first three or four years of the band, it was like, oh, huh? man, all that happened. I can't believe Seriously, like if you don't look down once a year at least and try to think about what happened the past year, you can't appreciate it. You what know? about when things aren't going well? And uh, do you still do you still just keep your head? Do you put on the the, the racehorse blinders still even then? Well, I mean, th- nothing good comes out of pointing fingers. If, if somebody makes a bad decision or something bad goes wrong because of something someone did or something like that, like. Nothing good comes out of it. If you just want to point fingers and, and say whatever this yeah. is bad. But but if you look down and go, man, we're we're in a tight spot. That's what that's when the brotherhood kicks in. Oh. And and the good relationships that you have with the guys in the band. We really haven't had that many trying times, but we had, we've all had them before we were in this band. Exactly. Yeah. So there's a lot of experience going on. I mean that that's that is the absolute best thing about getting old is you have all the experience to draw from when something does go wrong or something does go right you can look at it appreciate it or oh. get out of it or think of it differently whatever whoa how beautiful is that yeah it's cool man that's astounding 40 is not old though right no no it's not it's not young oh okay i get that is it not young? It's not. Is maybe it's not. There's a couple guys in the band, in and around the band, who have a really hard time getting older, and I'm definitely not one of them. Okay. Like, I I love every experience. Like, see, I think I feel like I'm trading my years for experiences, and and uh, I feel it's a fair trade. I mean, oh, sometimes wow. I feel like I'm getting on the good end of the trade. You know. That's amazing. So yeah. you really do have like a naturally optimistic view of macro things, of like big picture things. And I feel like that's such a source of, that's such a consistent thing among like these champions and musicians. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's always going to be bad things or people do, people do bad things around you or somebody steals something. I mean, even when you're five years old, like there's always going to be stuff yeah. like that. And um, it's kind of how you handle it 
how you can look at it from your experiences. Uh, just don't we all know people who bad stuff constantly happens to them? Yes. And they they may never figure out that a lot of it is because of how they are and how they handle it and how you know that there I could hand, I could there are three four people in, who've been through in and out of my life who just nothing ever goes right for them and it's because of them you know yeah man totally that's a real thing absolutely yeah. especially in music the thing about music that I'm realizing is like some people get in the business and like things just happen for them right like in big big ways like I can name like like literally four to five friends who who were working at a, a grocery store or, or were just like going to college and then like a couple years later they're like they have like a major label record deal and like some of them are like doing really well and like I feel like I'm a very much cut from a different cloth for like I've worked for every single thing I've ever gotten even like this denim shirt you know what I mean like every single thing has come from hours of working either playing in bars or like driving a right. 4350 somewhere and um what do you think about that kind of a thing? Because it seemed like your story was very much like nothing was really handed to you. No, but like I do see the luck in becoming friends with John Mayer. Like I see the luck in that we came together and we wrote together and we were together and then all of a sudden we're not together and whatever. And then all of a sudden because of all that fruit from two years earlier, yeah, there was I just get paid. You know, there was a great deal of luck in the fact that he went on to be who he was. What do you think explains, like, when when you see that guy and he's nobody yet, he's just some, uh, I've, I've never met him, but just some presumably tall dude with baggy pants. Yeah. Like, what, is there a sense of brilliance that you can... Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I, I never once was like, I, I still have problems, like, identifying, oh, this guy's going to be a superstar or whatever like that, you know? I just, I knew that he was witty and he was good in a room and unbelievable musician. And you know what? My only instinct was, let, let's work together. Let's do something. Whoa, because like you just knew that there was something seismically in tune with that guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did everyone know that? Was like everyone at, because like when you're in a dominance hierarchy like college, like that's so competitive. I, maybe did everyone kind of like, dis, like dislike that guy's talent? And like, well, you know, honestly, guitar. There weren't too many guitar players who even knew who he was because he he's he wasn't necessarily. Like, Berkeley's weird. Um, there's not a lot of. It might be different now, but the the social aspect of Berkeley is really strange. Like that, there was one really strong clique of hardcore jazz musicians, and uh, then there was like a clique of of. R&B, soul, funk musicians. Yeah. And then everybody else was just kind of on the outside. Every, you know, They started the songwriting program a few years before we got there. And we started gravitating towards that while we were there. But then we submitted a few songs, and they didn't get picked. And it was like, well, either we're not really on target, or they don't know what they're doing. And the egos between the two of us felt like they didn't know what they were doing. Um, it's amazing. You know, you know, it, it is what it is, but uh, 
Um, to go to your point of there are some people who it just happens for them. Like John did did struggle for a while, but he but I think his his talent is what brought him up. What know, was the like source of struggle you guys faced? Well, I mean, we, we worked a full-time job. You guys had jobs? Uh, oh, yeah, like two years. I mean, he, he worked at Pier 1 in Ports for a little while after. You know, I mean, he, it was, he made ends meet. Um, but, you know, the ones who just, it just happens for them, and, and maybe, maybe it's because of talent, maybe it's because they look good, maybe it's because of a few different things coming together. Those stories don't seem to last very long. It's it's when you can look at somebody who's worked their ass off and they're constantly doing it right and they're paying attention to the right things that they don't they have a slow burn into their career and it ends up they end up having you know 30, 40 year career. Like one one person to think about is probably like Bonamassa, right? Totally. You know, I mean, he, he did have, I, I, I don't know the actual trajectory, but he'd been around for a long time, and then he sunk a bunch of money into a DVD or something like that. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? And then from that point on, it was like large theaters for, for the rest, for the next 10 years, you know? And Still. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. Uh, He owns I, everything, though. Like, he doesn't even have a booking agent. He doesn't even use a promoter. Right. Yeah. Like, that's where the slow burn happens, and think about all the 360 deals that have been signed by and, and yeah. they they make one record and then nothing happens off of it and they make another record and then absolutely nothing happens absolutely nothing. they get cut you know and that's and who knows how much of the publishing they own after the fact like the I mean I don't know 360s seem to be the only way things are getting done now on on a big label uh, thing but it's because there's not a lot of leverage, but if you build your own leverage, you can you can do anything you want. You can own, you can do, be your own booking agent, you can be your own manager, you can do all that stuff. You build know? your own leverage. That's amazing advice. That's absolutely yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Man, do you feel like now, like when you're writing, like, I feel like when you were 20, 21, you didn't know, I don't, did you know that you were writing material that was still going to be played 20 years from now? And like when you're writing now, do you compare that stuff? Like, do you have this ego trap ever of like, I need to live up to things I've written or things I've done? Or no, uh, I feel honestly, I feel like I'm a completely different person. Probably, yeah. Like, Probably like anytime I think about twenty year old Clay, I'm like, you're literally thinking about a different person. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and now this guy writing now is writing a lot kind of stuff and it's all like stuff that's happening around me is just for some reason so inspiring to me and you know it's 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 a completely different thing I felt like 20 year old Clay was probably writing to get attention for the most part you know and trying to make it awesome to get attention and now I'm just writing it and it's and I feel like it's good because I feel like I can objectively look at something and tell if it's good or not. And if people like it, then cool. I don't care if they like it or not. I love that. Isn't that so much part of of finding happiness in your process is just doing something for yourself? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's not necessarily Mm self-serving, but it's um, you 
feel like you're saying the right thing. Like, uh, someone, a writer told me a long time ago, like, just write what you need to say. Don't try to, don't try to write, or come up with a really witty line and then try to rhyme it. Like, like it's, you, you write what, you need to write what you need to say. You know, because that, that'll evoke the correct emotion. So. Well. And, and, and I feel like uh, I've done, I've gotten yeah. better at writing what I need to say over the last 20 years. And probably as a player too, I bet you just play what you want to play now. You're not trying to impress. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I mean, it, it's funny because like I'll, I'll go back and listen to, like, you know, there'll be a solo on Instagram or something like that. Yeah. Or something. And then I think to myself, why am I playing so much like Jerry? And then I think to myself, oh, I spent all day the previous day in, in on you know listening to Grateful Dead Radio on Sirius. Oh yeah, and Have... it just kind of bleeds in. So, so it just kind of bleeds into what you were. And you think to yourself, wow, I, I everything around you can influence you if you let, if you allow it to come in. Especially Jerry. Yeah. Like especially Jerry, you can hear it a mile away when somebody listens to Jerry Garcia. Well, also, I, at the age that I am, I missed Jerry when I was younger because, uh, you know, I was, I graduated in 96. So I was way more into trade, not, not as far as an A or a B thing, but culturally, that, that's who got me on that, the, the, the kind of the, I, okay, Marshall Tucker was first because it was around my, my household. Like, that's all my mom did was play Marshall Tucker records on the, on the, on the turntable and so listening to toy caldwell that was the first real influence that i had and then all of a sudden i found eddie van halen and satriani and all that stuff you know and that that was like wow that's really cool and then i started hanging out with guys playing bluegrass and chicken picking and the old timers doing the vfws and stuff like that and that's where i picked up the, the the country style guitar totally but then, then also this band allowed me to morph all of that together trey and now more recently jerry and uh i don't get a man this last two two tours i didn't get a chance to improvise a lot and now like, yeah. i have a couple dates on this tour where i've got to solo you know just hey go do it just go do your thing go stack go stand out front and play until you're done and it's it's been really good for me because I I had I was getting a little stagnant, you know. Oh really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah yeah absolutely. Well, so you can feel like do you feel like a sense of ownership when you take the front of that stage? Like it's not a forced thing whatsoever. Cause cause watching it, it just seems so natural. Yeah, I mean it. I I was on stage years ago with a guy in Marshall Tucker named Chris Hicks, and he was like I don't know if you ever heard of Dan Baird. Oh yeah. Or or Chris or. They are performers. Like, they are just unbelievable. Like, grab your attention, and I'm going to play, play guitar. It's, it's like it's like Brampton on steroids, you know? And, um, yeah, or Slash. Slash seems a little bit more introverted, though, because of the hair and kind of like he just kind of stands and plays. He does, like, yeah. There, there are some guys who come out there and put their foot on the monitor and are like this. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I got to be around that for a long time, and so it – it seems natural to me to be able to do that, but at the same time, I think I'm coming from 
there's it's equal percentages. I'm gonna perform equal percentages. Hey guys in the band, listen to this shit I'm about to drop on you, or equal percentage like trying to think about what this solo might do for somebody in the crowd, mm-hmm. or try to grab either grab attention or make them feel better about the song somehow. Like it's it's just where I come from now. You just kind of stand out there, and here we go. You know. Do you feel like the people who come to to see your band play, I feel like they're not necessarily just fans of country music. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. do you think maybe that's why the, the room for the guitar it feels valid? Yeah. I, I, we've been very non-apologetic about big solos right. and, you know, um, kind of, I don't know. It's it's not, you know, hit us with the chorus in one minute, and it, like there's a lot of musical stuff that's going on, and some of it is for us, and that's where the impetus of the band came from. Like we we we, we weren't going to be, you know, an Alan Jackson clone or something like that. We we were going to be our thing, and mm. luckily other people liked it. Oh wow! You know? Like yeah. there's a lot of for us, the song is the most important thing. The presentation of the song is second, which is, is it the right style? Are we are we able to sing our four-part harmony? Uh, that's kind of a big deal for us, is, is the stack of Pop, Zach, Jimmy, and me, and that's the way the choruses always sound. Yes. It, it, nothing gets old with that. Like, you figure it, it's a little formulaic, but at the same time, when we do it on a song we've never done it before, like we're doing a new song or if we're doing a cover song or something like that, and we do it and we don't even think about what part we're gonna sing because it just happens because we've been doing it for so long together. It's like, yeah, that's kind of what we do. You know, so it, the the harmony is super important. So okay. that's in the presentation. Presentation. And, and then, you know, I mean, it just keeps coming back to the song. The song's the most important thing. And then the presentation, and then sometimes Zach will be like, let's do this here. And it doesn't make any sense, but in his brain. And then we do it, and then all of a sudden it sounds more like us. So it's 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 not like what's going to, to be the smoothest, most perfect song you can make. Sometimes it's about just doing what is going to make it more sound like us. Wow. And uh, we've been doing that for a long time, and it just kind of, we're very lucky that in that aspect that we, that we get to do us and people like it. Whoa, man. That's insane. Is the, When you guys are writing songs, are you trying to, is it intentional to try to make something that's digestible for people? No. No. Um, though, this last, this new record, is um, kind of a departure from digestible. And honestly, uh, it's just he felt like he was getting too stagnant going uh, the way we way he was writing things. And so he tried a completely new way to do it, which I can't really divulge because there will be new album interviews and stuff like awesome. that, that. All those details get uh, brought out in. But um, it's uh, I, I have to commend it. We, you know, 
know, the last record we made, which was called Welcome Home. Yeah. He said, you know, he, he made some music with Dave Cobb, and I know Dave from years and years from Atlanta. Yeah. And he was like, all right, we're going to go in the studio, and we're going to cut pretty much a live record in the studio. And it's, we're going to do it with Dave Cobb, and awesome. So we made that record in, like, six days. And Dave had never heard the songs. Like, he walked in, and every every time we start a new song, Dave was like, play it for me on the acoustic guitar. And we would be standing in the control room. You'd, Zach would play it. We'd be singing harmonies that we knew, whatever. And then within two hours, we were tracking the song. Like, and we didn't do a lot of takes. It was like one of those things where Dave felt Dave made it happen. Like, all right, you come in here, Danny, and shake maracas. I, well, I just want you to shake maracas while we're doing this. And, and he would just kind of like terraform the, the, the performance, and then we would roll tape. What does that mean? He would just like make the environment around it, like it, like it, he would he would have Koi playing guitar, and he'd be like, you know what? And we'd do a couple little times through like that. And he'd be like, you know what? Why don't you try Telecaster? And his part would change. And, oh wow! You know, or Clay, you're on Hammond. Let's let's switch over to Warlitzer just for just see what that does. And eventually, it gets to the point where, like, wow, he's he's making the environment around the song. And then finally, he'd be like, "All right, we're gonna do a couple takes," and we do two takes. Oh wow! How beautiful! And a couple of the songs he kept Zach vocal, you know, and uh, it, it's just really cool. Now that's one way to do it. Uh, the album before that was like the most overdubbed, latent. Took us three months. Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. But it's cool. It's cool in its own way. You know, they're two completely, it's almost like two completely different bands. Oh, dude, but yeah. Band. And, and, no, no, I'm not saying it's a different band. But I'm just saying between the two albums, it's two different, it's almost like two different things happen. And in this new record, I mean, he's been writing it on and off for almost two years. And then he recorded a lot of it with, you know, I can't write, I, I probably, I can't. That's fair. Yeah. But but anyway, it's different. It's just different than anything we've done before. And it's it's just really cool that he doesn't say, all right, we sold 10 million albums with this producer and this engineer. Let's go sell another two or three. Let's make that next. Let's make, let's make uh, the foundation part four, you know. Right, totally. And so, like, you know, there, there are bands out there, duos and, single artists especially in country music who if they do change the formula it's just slightly you know they're trying to stick with what they you know what that's good business it's really good business but we've gained a lot of fans by not being the same for the last 12 years right you guys kind of like exist in your own economy like like dead like dave matthews like fish like like Zach Brown band fans are like Zach Brown band fans. Yeah. Like that's a yeah. real thing. That's longevity. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the way I mean, I, I it was probably only two or three years into this ride for me that I started to realize that yeah, we're totally not doing it like everybody else. And it's already starting to show. Like we were we started playing arenas way earlier than anyone else who 
time and had the same amount of success as we did, you know. Um, and now we're playing baseball stadiums. So and it's not all the gigs, but we're playing Fenway two nights this year. And that's we hold the record. Out of all the bands that play Fenway, we hold the consecutive sellout record. And I, I'm not bragging. I'm, I'm as astonished as you by saying that. Yeah. And it's, it, you know, we do really well in the North, Northeast, but it's like, I don't understand how, you know, kind of, in some ways, we do play our own music. In some ways, we're a cover band. In some ways, I, but it's, it's, it's the ability for Zach to figure out how we're going to do this show. We play a different set list pretty much every night. Yep. Um, and, and you can shut your eyes on stage and just completely trust the music. You can trust that Chris Breyer is going to lay it down, maybe even greasier than last night on drums. And uh, Matt Mangano on the bass, it's like, it's going to sound this way and it's going to be strong. And it's, I can, and I can set my watch by the harmony. Like, like I said, like Zach could sing a line three times, and the fourth time we could sing harmony. And and, and you know what? I I know for a fact because I've been around a little big town a little bit, and I know they can do that. Mm. There's not a lot of acts that even do harmony that often, you know. And, but but we just do it all the time. So it's, it's, it's second nature to us. Whoa, man. There's some serious mic drop moments here. <laughs> I don't know about that. Just real wisdom. Dude, thank you so much. Thanks for yeah. your time. Yeah, that was uh, just going to class. That really was. That was just straight wisdom uh, for however long the interview was. It's just straight wisdom and kindness and, and perspective and someone who just has a wealth of experience and has really learned from it. I love the concept of just trading time and, and um, in years of your life for, for good experience that you can craft wisdom out of. Um, that is huge. I'm going to keep a lot of this with me. Uh, I want to thank Clay. And uh, everyone for listening. Uh, this was a special episode. Yes, indeed. Uh, I got some shows in Texas coming up. Y'all come up and see those. Uh, first time I'll ever be in Texas as Daniel Donato. I've been in Texas with uh, other heroes in the past. Um, but yes, indeed. Everything's bigger there. So the shows will be bigger. Except my hair. That's pretty large. Anyway, thank y'all for listening. Uh, we have, on the intro of this, uh, for a little bit of irony and serendipity, we have Dead and Company live in Boston where Berkeley is, uh, Fire on the Mountain, my favorite fucking Grateful Dead song right now. And then we have Homegrown by Zach Brown Band. Also go make sure and check out Leaving Love Behind, um, the song that Clay has a, a, a cut on, a writer's credit on, off the new Owl album. And then uh, playing right now is Meta Modern Sounds and Country Music, uh, Long White Line, Sturgill Simpson, produced by Dave Cobb, 2014. This record changed my life. Uh, yeah, thank y'all. Talk to y'all. See y'all down the road. Stay cosmic.